All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and today I am joined again, his triumphant return to Kente Corner, Kevin McNamara, longtime Providence and Big East insider, currently the owner and operator of Kevin Mac Sports, and also a host on WPRO in Providence. Kevin, before we get going, I wanted to tell everyone about the exciting new sponsor we have here at Kente Corner, Homefield Apparel, premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Today, we are recording this on January 29th, Homefield launched their Georgetown line. So what Homefield does is they dig through the archives to find unique logos, mascots, and the like to make thoughtful designs for Georgetown. They print those logos out on the most comfortable tees and hoodies you'll ever own. For everyone out there that knows me, you know I love the Georgetown title blue version of basically everything. And luckily they've come through and there's something up there for people like me that like the title blue for the Hoyas. So I encourage everyone to check it out. And for the next couple of days, everyone's going to get 15% off of their first purchase using GU Hoyas at checkout. And that's again when you go to homefieldapparel.com. All right, Kevin. So Georgetown and Providence are going to play tomorrow, we hope, which will be the Hoyas' first game in three weeks. For all those Georgetown fans out there that kind of forgot what was going on in the Big East, what's going on with Providence? Well, uh, Providence, um, I'm knocking on wood here in honor of uh, Ed Cooley and the Friars. They (laughs) are one of only two teams that have not had a pause. They've had cancellations and postponements, I should say. But uh, they've somehow avoided the virus as a a group and um, luck is not a a fate I guess is not on their side but um, students are just returning to Providence uh, College this week so I think Cooley is one he's a nervous cat there's no two ways about it but uh, (laughs) so you know Providence uh, has uh, 10 games Uh, Georgetown I believe has only played five Uh, looking here they played six yeah so Um, you know, other, other Big East teams have only played five. So it, it, it's a really tough conference to get a hold of right now, uh, Bob. But, you know, obviously Villanova is, is better than everybody else. We'll see how perfect they can go and what type of a seed in the NCAA tournament they can find. I certainly assume it would be a one, two, three. Uh, after that, I think it's a wild scramble. Uh, and you're talking about at least six teams today think that they can catch fire and and be in the NCAA tournament and uh who knows what happens in a cross our fingers a big east tournament in march so specifically on providence david duke and nate watson and nate nate watson is a local for the dmv listeners here they've kind of been leading the friars both averaging right around almost 20 points a game what specifically have they been doing well this this season particularly watson yeah, well, Watson has always been one of the better low-post players in the Big East, uh, but he always shared uh, time with Khalif Young, uh, the senior who graduated last year. Uh, Khalif was a better defensive player, uh, I think a better rebounder, couldn't really score where Nate was the offensive option uh, and, and a pretty solid rebounder. Uh, this year, it's all him, and more, most importantly, to answer your question, he's in excellent shape, the best shape of his career by far. Last year in the September-October, last season in the September-October time, he had a knee injury. 
and missed, uh, I, I believe he, he likes to say he missed almost 70 practices, which means Providence was violating a lot of rules and practicing out of season. But um, <laughs> uh, when he finally came back around December 1st, he had a big brace on. By the time we got to Big East play, he still wasn't 100%. And then again, was splitting time with Khalif Young through most of the year. So, you know, he's shooting almost 60% from the field. Uh, teams definitely have to double team him. That's been what uh, has gone on in most games in the last couple weeks. Uh, he killed Creighton like big time. That's Creighton's weakness once again. They don't have legitimate uh, you know, high-end Division One size uh, with multiple players. Um, but like Marquette with a Theo John uh, caused them problems. So, you know, m- matchups in this league are, are obviously very different team to team. I'll be very interested to see uh, Watson and, and Wahab on Saturday, for example, and if Georgetown does look to, to double-team Watson. And uh, I'll continue rambling here. Uh, David Duke, uh, I think he's playing as well as anyone in the league. Uh, he's a legitimate player of the year uh, candidate in the conference. Um, uh, it's funny, he really didn't play that well in the previous three games. Providence beat Creighton and lost to Marquette and Villanova. And then he comes back home against Marquette again. And he has, how about this line? 31, six assists, six rebounds, three steals. Uh, Pretty good. We haven't seen, yeah, we haven't seen quite that, but we've seen a lot of, a lot of that uh, this season from David Duke. He's, he's really been outstanding. It, it seems like for Duke, you know, from afar, this may, this kind of year maybe would have been expected maybe last year is there what specifically with him did he have injuries as well or was it just sort of people playing ahead of him yeah i think it was balanced providence had a good team last year you know yeah struggled for uh, the early part of the year maybe more than anyone in the country a true head scratcher team and, and then rallied down the stretch they won their last six were as hot as any team in the big east going into the big east tournament and obviously the season fell apart but you know they had five seniors, and David was a sophomore at the time. And I wouldn't say he deferred to them, but you know, Alpha Diallo was clearly the top dog and, and the leader of the team. Uh, and they had a few other guys at, at guard, uh, Pipkins and 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 White. Uh, so you know, oftentimes maybe it's, I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan, but maybe it's more the uh, Michael Jordan at North Carolina deal was, you know, he's probably going to be the best player, but he just can't get 15 shots a game. And I think that was the case with Duke to some extent last year. But uh, Ed Cooley has gone out of his way to say he's the hardest working player he's ever had, which is saying something because guys like LaDante Henton and Bryce Cotton, they, they lived in the gym. They were very, very hard workers. So uh, that, that does tell you the reason why David has uh, been in a position to explode here as a junior. And uh, the NBA scouts have certainly taken notice. It's certainly a, a, a chance slash concern that uh, this is his last year of Providence. Yeah, it's it's funny when when coaches say things like that because the follow up I always try and get in if possible. And it's not always answered is well if he's the best, who else is in that range? You know, because it's always the best is always the current guy, right? That's usually what kind of gets said. But particularly for Duke and also AJ Reeves, they at least as Georgetown's been struggling, they were local kids for you guys, and also they're consensus top fifty recruits. So when you see Providence bringing in classes like that. It's pretty impressive, and to see Duke finally come through, I think AJ's a little bit behind him, but it's really impressive to have those kind of kids come in and then to see them to see them blossom. So for Georgetown, one of the th- – well, we haven't seen him play in so, so long. It's hard to yeah. even think back that far. But 
one of, one of the issues they've had is at times they've done well against maybe the first or second guy on the scouting report, who's someone a little bit further down the line. Those are the kind of players that have really just taken Georgetown to the woodshed a little bit. So who's a little bit more of a under the radar type player that you think could be poised for a big performance? Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I think Ed Cooley would struggle to come up with that an answer to that as well as myself. That, that's really been Providence's issue. Okay. Watson and Duke have been very consistent. There has not been a consistent third player at all, like at all. Uh, Reeves is really underperformed. I believe he's shooting in the high 20s. Um, from the field as a junior, by far his worst effort so far in his career. R- real head scratcher because he's a talented kid, has had success, uh, is, is, can make open threes, balls just not going in on any with any type of consistency. Um, but to answer your question, the third best player the last week, anyways, or three games, has been a surprising freshman, Alan Breed. So yeah. he stepped in at point guard. You know, he's more of a combo. You know, David Duke and and Breed kind of share the playmaking uh, duties a little bit because uh, Jared Bynum, the starting point guard, has a groin injury. He's missed, uh, I think it's going on five games now. Uh, my guess is if he's able to play at Georgetown, he would be limited. He's been practicing uh, five on zero, they like to say. Mm-hmm. So he's been running, but uh, not with contact. So, uh, And Breed's played so well, to be honest with you, he's, he's played – he doesn't need to come out of the lineup. So um, it'll be curious what, when Bynum comes back, what Cooley does. I think he'll play all three together in all honesty, but um, Reed has been their third best player in the last week and a half. So uh, I'd say he's certainly someone that Georgetown will be paying attention to. So I would not be surprised if he finds himself with some opportunities. Again, I'm here with Kevin McNamara from Kevin Mac sports, and you can find him at Kevin McNamara 33 on Twitter. He's a great follow for all Providence and Big East information. So Kevin, Georgetown last played on January 9th up in the Carrier Dome against their old friends, Syracuse. They had a a comeback fall short. They ended up losing that one. We talked to Patrick Ewing ahead of what was supposed to be the DePaul game on January 12th. That's a Tuesday afternoon. On Wednesday afternoon, DePaul was actually in the DC area and about 2.30, 3 o'clock game got canceled and we hadn't spoken to Ewing or any of the players until yesterday. We were able to speak with Patrick yesterday. And one of the things I asked Patrick, and maybe you've got some information on this or hopefully some thoughts, I asked him, you know, so Georgetown missed four games. And I asked him, what was his expectation or hope for making those games up? And had he heard anything from the league? What Patrick Ewing said was that obviously they would love to play them. But when you start to look at the schedule, it doesn't look like that's probably going to be possible. He also um, disregarded the idea of finding a non-conference opponent, saying that was too difficult, although St. John's over the weekend did find a way to play Utah Valley. So what have you heard about possible makeup games, particularly for schools like Georgetown and DePaul that have missed so many games? Yeah, well, I, I do have some insight there. So uh, I think Providence has had four, maybe five games postponed. Okay. Uh, one of them being a Georgetown home game yeah. uh, in Providence. Uh, and right now, Providence has 19 games, uh, Big East games scheduled. The one that's not scheduled is their home game against Georgetown. So uh, I think the league is still trying to figure things out. If you remember when they released the league schedule, there's two weeks in February that are basically open. 
and that's when they will try to reschedule the majority of these games. Uh, if you have more than four that need to be rescheduled, well, obviously you're going to have to play three in one week. And I was actually on a call with Jay Wright earlier this week, and they, they're in the same boat as Georgetown, maybe even worse. <clears throat> and that possibility of playing three in a week w was thrown out. And his response was, uh, we get it. Uh, we know that we have to play three in one week from time to time, uh, or maybe once, but depending on the travel and logistics, uh, it just might not be able to happen. And I think what you're going to see is that a Providence could play 20 Big East games, 19 Big East games, Georgetown could play 16, and Villanova could play 18. It, it's not going to be equal. It's almost impossible. It's like a jigsaw puzzle that has to come together, and it's not going to come together. There's too many moving parts. And it's only February, well, it's not even February 1st when we're talking here. Yeah. We have four more weeks of potential pauses, which it's going to happen. I mean, just just look at the track record. So the chances of everyone playing 20 games is, I think, zero. Do you think, and obviously this is kind of dictated by different localities and all that kind of stuff, but when Patrick says that he doesn't think schedule a non-conference team is viable, do you think that that's something all the coaches are thinking, or is that just maybe individual coaches? Because like I said, uh, Mike Anderson and the Johnnies were just able to squeeze in a game. Yeah, and I'd love to know from their point of view why they thought that was worthwhile. Uh, obviously, okay. they, they, they had had some postponements and added a hole in their schedule, so that makes sense. But, um, you know, the only thing that matters right now to these teams is is getting in as many league games as they can and getting to 13, which is the NCAA's minimum number to make the tournament. Well, everyone's going to make 13, uh, barring a complete disaster, uh, you know, overall everyone's going to get to 13. Is that, uh, Kevin, real quick, is that 13 yeah. Big East games or 13 games just overall? Overall. Okay. Overall. So, you know, everyone's, you know, not there yet, but you know, within a couple games. Um, and so once you, once you check that 13 game minimum box, your next focus is, is, a, is a resume for the NCAA tournament and playing Utah Valley does nothing like that at all. <laughs> Uh, might endanger you to injury, which would be a disaster, or even worse, to the virus. I, I mean, uh, what do you know about Utah Valley and their protocols that they're flying in from, you know, Utah to the to Queens? But anyways, that, that's a, that's for the St. John's pod, I guess. But, um, <laughs> you know, go, going forward with the Hoyas, I, I just wish them luck. They obviously have have struggled uh, with the virus and and staying, you know, free and clear. And it's a challenge from coast to coast, and everyone's going to continue to need an awful lot of luck to avoid it. So obviously we love the Big East tournament. We love where the Big East tournament is. What are you kind of hearing about the chances the tournament happens? Is there any chance that it maybe gets moved? Is it maybe, I think last time you were on a couple months ago, we talked about the, our ideal dream of Mohegan Sun. Has anything changed that you're hearing from the Big East tournament? Yeah, what I keep hearing is that the, for the, the, the quote, the players want to play in New York. Well, Okay, um, I'm sure they do, but they also want want to play in New York with their friends, family, and you know classmates watching, and that's not going to happen. I mean, it's pretty clear when you turn on the NBA and you watch the Knicks or, or you watch the Rangers that there's not going to be any fans at the Garden for the Big East tournament. So uh, obviously, the Big East has a very good relationship with the Garden leadership. Uh, as long as the uh, rent payment for the Big East tournament works out, 
it's obviously going to be at a reduced level because we can't have any fans or, or sell any popcorn and beer. Uh, if they come to an agreement, I think it will be at Madison Square Garden and it becomes a TV show and you turn on Fox and it's at the Garden and you know it's at the Garden. I've watched the Knicks on, on TV and it's, it's the Garden. So uh, I guess, again, that checks that box that the players, quote, want to play at the Garden. Uh, that said, to have 11 teams and 11 different hotels uh, bopping around the city, you know, ho hopefully doing their very best to, you know, uh, you know, stay within protocol and whatnot. That's a challenge. I mean, that's a real logistical challenge. But right now, that that remains the Big East uh, plan to, is, is to go to New York. You know, obviously, with you know, you mentioned the insurance policy and you know all the the financial reasons. Even though Georgetown is not currently anywhere near NCAA tournament consideration, and it's going to be unlikely that they work themselves back to that spot this year. That's just a reality. When I look at it from a competitive standpoint and I look at, you know, teams like Villanova, who obviously has a chance to probably win the whole thing, um, I'd include Providence in the group of teams that are kind of on the bubble currently, even though, mm -hmm. like you said, it's not even February yet. I would think that for the teams that have NCAA aspirations, the Big East tournament could kind of only hurt them. And what I mean that is from just sort of a, a virus standpoint. So uh, this is obviously a, pro a topic of discussion around the country. Uh, I think yeah. Fran, Frischilla, Fran Frischilla was the first one who raised it. Um, you know, maybe two weeks ago, he was talking about the Big 12 and said, well, they shouldn't be conference tournaments. Well, let's just let's just step back for a moment. Then. Uh, there was no conference tournament last year in the Big East and really anywhere uh, in the bigger in the bigger leagues. Anyways, uh, th that is a severe financial hit to the Big East. And okay. Is this is this about money? You, you better believe it's about money. I mean, that's one <laughs> of the main reasons. It's one of the main reasons we're playing. I mean, <laughs> you know, the players want to play, the coaches, some of them, anyways, want to coach. But uh, this is about uh, you know athletic departments and income. It's really, really important, especially at a place like Georgetown and Providence, where men's basketball is the only income generating proposition. So I, I don't know what the lease with the Garden says. Uh, I do know that last year the insurance policy was triggered and made didn't make the Big East whole, but they were it was it was very much in the Big East's favor. For the majority of the league, the Big East tournament and the income from the Big East tournament and having a Big East tournament is is vitally important for maybe the three or four teams that are locked into the NCAA tournament when the Big East tournament begins. Yeah, you'd much rather not play. I mean, you're exposing yourself to, to the virus uh, or the chances of a virus, and your focus is clearly the NCAA tournament. That, well, good for them, you know, good for Gonzaga, good for Villanova, you know, good for, uh, you know, Michigan, great. Uh, but you're part of a league, and it's, it is all for one, one for all. And so we'll see how this plays out. I do think that if things, quote, get worse, uh, which some negative nabobs are saying could happen in February, then maybe there is no Big East tournament. But uh, again, at, at this point, it's full speed ahead. And now for the the most optimistic Georgetown fan out there, when you look at postseason, what they could accomplish is, you know, they haven't won a Big East game in a while. Big, I'm sorry, a Big East conference game. Patrick Ewing hasn't actually won one yet. Um, the NIT, that would probably be the, you know, if everything went right and we started clicking after the pause, maybe make a run at the NIT. Do we know if that's going to happen? I want to say I've seen on probably Twitter that 
the, the NIT does intend to have a tournament. How feasible do you think that is? You know, I actually text uh, Dan Gavitt today. Um, he's, I don't mean to drop names, but he's, I, I like it. He's a, he's a Providence guy and he's of a course. longtime friend. I, I, we met when I was about 17 years old. So anyways, I had to back when you were a, like, uh, back when you were a sharpshooter. Oh yeah. I, uh, well, uh, my former podcast used to be called the pick and pop podcast. And as my partner said, uh, he did the picking and I did the popping. So I, okay. I, I, I could shoot it a tiny bit for a five eleven <laughs> white guy. But anyway, uh, Dan, by the way, wasn't a bad player. Uh, his, his brother, Corey was a very good player and an outstanding lacrosse player. But anyways, that's, he okay. went to UNC to play lacrosse, which says a lot right there. Absolutely. Um, I, I know that's the, the deep lacrosse talk pretty much only only reverberates in your area and, and in upstate New York, but I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, Dan's response was, yes, we do intend to have an NIT uh, with obviously some different uh, protocols, which I didn't follow up with. What do you mean? But um, I, I'm surprised, in all honesty, if, if I Me was too. the NCA. NCA runs the NIT. If, if I was them this year, I'd be like, hey, not happening. You know, we're, we're 68 teams, we, we've, we've said that's going to be the deal. And if you're an NIT level team after that, you want to go play a game? You want to, you know, if you're Providence or Georgetown, you make the NIT, you know, you think you're a postseason team and you want to go play, uh, I'm just going to say Virginia, they'll probably be in the tournament. Virginia Tech will be in the tournament. But uh, VCU. You know, George Mason, yeah. VCU, go play VCU and it's like your bowl game and then you, you put the balls away. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, I see no reason to have 32 teams playing an NIT in this circumstance, but uh, it looks like right now that's still on the drawing board. So this is a road game that you're always at, and this is what I ask when I have guests on before the matchup with the Hoyas. What are you going to miss most about your annual trip to D.C. being canceled? Well, the easy answer there is my son. Uh, He's moved to D.C., for a year now, he lives in Arlington, works for a construction company, and is on a project actually down there, uh, right, right off the mall, uh, up near the Capitol. Okay. Uh, I, I could tell you some good stories about that. but um, So obviously I'll miss him, but um, I, I just love D.C. You know, I'm one of those Americans where I come to D.C., I'm excited about being there, and I used to go to see a historical uh, you know, monument or a, or a museum. Uh, so I, I like to always like to come in the night before and not the day of just so I have a little time uh, to do that. So obviously we won't check that box, but because my son's there, we've been to DC a few times uh, off season, which, you know, that's another thing, you know, I've had great travels uh, around the basketball you know, world for 30 years. Yeah. I, I don't really travel all that much in these Northeastern cities outside of the wintertime. And, you know, it's cold in the Northeast in the wintertime. Yeah, And I will say this, to, to be down in D.C., I think it was uh, late September on a weekend. Wow, it's, it's actually pretty pretty down there. It's nice. That's actually a perfect time because you've escaped the basically eight to ten weeks of just ridiculous humidity that we suffer through. Mm-hmm. No, it was, uh, I'd say it was, you know, 78 degrees and people were in shorts and uh, it was a lot of fun. My, my son's enjoying it, uh, I'll put it that way. Well, as someone that lived in Arlington for a while, he definitely picked a great place. And uh, I would recommend that you try and hang out with him in a non-COVID time. Yeah, no, no question. Uh, we, we certainly plan to, that's for sure. 
Let's go and finish off here with three quick hitters. I haven't had a chance to ask Ewing about this or any of the players because the season's been kind of poor and I'm sort of waiting for the end. A guy like Nate Watson, I don't know what his pro potentials are. Has he? Do you think he's given any thought to coming back and using the extra year the NCAA is going to allow all these kids? You know, this is uh, this is maybe the most troublesome part of uh, covering a team during COVID. Uh, everything yeah. is on Zoom. I have not had, you know, I, usually we would go to Providence and uh, before practice be able to talk with uh, the coach and a few players. And, you know, you might be able to grab Nate Watson and say, hey, I know that, you know, you're worried about Georgetown tomorrow, but would you think about coming back? And you can't. It's on Zoom, and there's 15 other people on, on the Zoom. So I have no idea what he's thinking, what David Duke's thinking. Um, I, I will say that those kids came to Providence for a reason. And, uh, you know, I know you've been up here, and if you have a home game and they're playing Georgetown – there's 12,000 people there. It, it's fun. I, I mean, it, that's what they came to college for. They're, they're missing that. Uh, Ed Cooley actually had a really good line the other day. Providence was at home at Alumni Hall. They don't play in their downtown arena, similar to Georgetown. They play on yeah. campus now. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, struggling with Marquette. It's a typical Big East, you know, rock fight. And they're down. And A.J. Reeves makes a three with about two minutes to go. That ties the game. And, uh, and then overtime, Alan Breed hits a corner three to make a two-point game, a five-point game. And he said, well, that's a good example of what's different this year. If that happens at the dunk, the, the roof comes off. I mean, the place is just bonkers. Where here, it's like, a, hey, nice shot, AJ. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, and it's true. I mean, you make it like a clutch, big-time shot. And you might hear, you know, five of your teammates say, oh, cool, you know, good shot. That's it. Now, we haven't even experienced that because we haven't been in those barren, you know, I'm not calling them arenas. They're gyms. It's McDonough Gym and Alumni Hall. They're they're 2,000-seat, you know, gyms. So it's just a total different experience for these kids. And is it worthwhile to maybe put off an NBA career to come back to experience, you know, the full Big East, you know, experience? No, no, I I wouldn't advise anyone to do that. I'd, I'd say if you're an NBA player, you should should go but uh, I don't think Nate Watson is a surefire and uh, NBA player or certainly an NBA first round pick I think David Duke's going to have something to think about uh, but yeah. Nate but Nate could go abroad and, and make good money uh, will he choose to stay in Providence for one more year I just don't know yeah the reason I asked that one is because I just feel he's the perfect candidate for something like that and I know it's easier as you get older to advise younger people, but it's hard for them to take your advice. But if you're a kid like him, the idea of getting to play major college basketball another season, and if you are graduating to chip away or even complete a master's degree is something you're really going to be happy you did when you're in your 30s and 40s. No, I totally agree. And uh, he's a good example because he is a good student and he will graduate on time. He might even be ahead. You know, Providence has their kids uh, on campus most summers. Yeah. So they do put they do put those extra credits in the back pocket. So I don't know where he is, uh, uh, you know, academically as far as when he's graduating on time. But uh, you're absolutely right to to get that one more free year uh, academically is a total home run. No two ways about it. Speaking of home runs, Providence is on a ridiculous streak as far as the historical perspective of the of the series with the Hoyas. 
can you believe that this is kind of where we are? And that being said, what about Georgetown do you think could give the, the Friars problems on Saturday? Okay, you got to bring me up to speed. So what's, what's the streak at? I knew that Cooley had uh, been on a very strong streak when JT3 was around, but then uh, Patrick came in here and beat them, I'd say, maybe in his first year. Uh, I don't have the all-time series uh, handy. So real quick, basically, Ewing is 2-4 and four against Ed. So in, in Patrick's second season, the Hoyas swept the Friars, which hadn't happened in a long time. It was usually the other way. Of course, there was a lot of years when the Big East was so big that you'd only play a team once. So you know, it was kind of more infrequent. So it's two and four for Patrick. And then going back to the kind of the end of JT3, Providence had won eight in a row. So I think it was something like two and 12 recently for the Hoyas. Um, so 12 and two for the Friars. Got it. Uh, you know, I, you'd have to say that's more matchup than anything else, you know, because obviously the rosters changed so much yeah. uh, from year to year and, and coaches have changed uh, over that time with, with Georgetown. Uh, I will say that, you know, Providence usually has a, a few guys from that area and they really like going home. Um, and I think it also might, uh, to be blunt, uh, oftentimes when Providence comes down there, especially in a midweek game, it's not a great home court for the, for the Hoyas. I mean, it is not. No, I mean, they might have, you know, they might announce, you know, 11,000, but it's really more like six and it might even be four. So, you know, that has to help the visiting team to some extent as well. But, but really the bottom line is uh, Providence has had good teams. You know, they, they've been in the NCAA. If last year was an NCAA tournament, uh, Providence would have been in, and I think that would have been seven out of nine. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if you're an NCAA tournament team, that means you're competitive on the road. And Providence has certainly been competitive on the road for, for quite a while now. So uh, maybe not as successful uh, versus other teams as they have been against the Hoyas, but they, they, they've won everywhere from Villanova to Creighton to, to Georgetown. And so Providence is sitting at nine and seven, five and five. You know, the, the records are going to look a little weird this year. I, I want to say that we're seeing teams without their makeup on. And mm-hmm. by by makeup, I mean, you know, those games that they play in November and December that they really have no chance of losing. So the records yeah. are going to look a little weird. Providence absolutely needs to sweep Georgetown to solidify their shot in an NCAA tournament berth. Saturday's game, what's one thing, if it's going well, that says Providence is going to win this? It's kind of like one, their biggest indicator. Yeah, I'd say two, and, and because because okay. of COVID, I pr- I probably watched uh, more Big East than than usual, so okay. I've seen Georgetown several times. Uh, number one would be uh, Nate Watson's getting it done inside, so that, that that means either Georgetown is choosing to just play him with one guy, uh, and I, I think he can he can win that matchup, or if he's uh, powering through a double team, then that's even uh, worse sign for the Hoyas. So that's one, and two is that the tempo is in Providence's uh, uh, lane. Georgetown, to their credit, has just played some unbelievable first halves this season. I mean, they, they, they had Villanova all but knocked out. You know, I think it was they were up 18. 18, uh, Kevin. Uh, Marquette was, that had to be over 15, right? I think it was 16, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, St. John's, that was a crazy game. That Was that the game that was 90, 90, 92 to 90 or something like that. I think it was 97, 94. Okay. Well, I'm doing okay so far. You're doing really Um, good. Yeah. But, um, 
that's not that's not Ed Cooley's way. That's that's not going to happen uh, on Saturday. Uh, if Georgetown wins, they're going to win 68-65. They're not going to win 82 to 78. So I, I'd say those two things: uh, that the tempo is in Providence's favor, and that Nate Watson is is off to a good start inside. Yeah, that makes sense. Patrick Ewing's record at Georgetown when they don't score 80 points is something like six and 30 in Biggie's game. So the Hoyas have to push the tempo and I think that's kind of the Providence, the, the problem with Providence. I have a question for you. So, oh, good. Uh, Patrick was actually, I help host uh, this week in the Big East uh, radio show on uh, Westwood one. And uh, Patrick was our coach guest this week. And, you know, I asked him a, Question: I said, you know, you obviously haven't played in a while. You haven't won a game since before Christmas, so kind of early December. Uh, do you know what to expect from your team when you come out, you know, next? And hopefully next is Saturday against Providence. And, you know, the, the answer is no. I, I mean, so I'm curious, what do you think you'll see from the Hoyas? You know, they obviously have practiced a lot, but this, this is an odd break in, in the middle of a college basketball. Well, it's an odd break, and – they have an odd team, right? Like mm-hmm. they lost so many kids from last year between you had a couple graduations, you had the in-season exodus, and then Mac McClung decided to take his talents to Lubbock. Okay. So he had to add a bunch of grad transfers. He added some freshmen. He has, you know, Pickett and Blair have been there forever. They were always going to struggle this year. This is probably the weakest Georgetown team since the season before John Thompson Jr. arrived. So they're always going to be struggling. But then when you throw this into the mix, I mean, any momentum or any cohesiveness that they might have been achieving just all went away, right? So, you know, I like to use Ken Palm. You know, Ken Palm's got this a tight game. I'm not a gambler, but oh my gosh, if if the spread is anything near what Ken Palm has it at, I mean, I don't, I don't know how people that that do like to part to partake in that aren't going to just pound the Friars. I, I think it's going to take a while for Georgetown to get going. Obviously, you know, they had one of the better assist men in the conference, and Jalen Harris, a transfer that had played at both New Mexico and Arkansas, he left after five games, and they've really struggled since then. They've only won once without him. It's really, it's obviously a really unfortunate season, but for them in particular, and this isn't an excuse. This is just the reality. I think best case for them is everyone stays healthy. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, uh, health is obviously number one and just uh, make, make some progress. You know, have those new guys especially. I, I do like the point guard from uh, D.C. via Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had one really big game. I think it was against St. John's. Uh, and then he's had some other games where he looks like a freshman. It, it's guys like that who you want when you get to March, say, we have some building blocks again. You know, we're going forward. We've recruited well. Uh, the transfer line uh, was okay for Georgetown this year. It needs to be really good uh, next year. And by the way, everyone's going to be pounding that transfer line because the rule is going to change and uh, musical chairs are going to be just crazy, like ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Georgetown needs, needs to find a starter, maybe two starters uh, off the transfer wire. And I think Providence might have to as well. And that's Georgetown and a place like Providence and Georgetown. Those are attractive places to transfers. They, they really are. Uh, and I think Patrick and Ed Cooley know that it's not as if you have to go out and find an All-American via transfer, but you need to find 
playing pieces, guys who can come in and contribute right away. And uh, I think that's going to be available and important for both programs going forward. I think right now, and the way I answered this the other day on our, our normal podcast is Blair and Pickett are getting really close to a thousand points. So that's obviously a big deal for Patrick's two first recruits. Not to diminish what's happening now as far as because these kids are out there, they're working their best, they're trying hard. Georgetown fans have kind of turned the page to next season a little bit with the recruiting of, you know, they've got Matumbo coming in. That's a name everyone's familiar with. Patrick picked up his first five-star, uh, Aminu Muhammad. So I don't want to, like I said, diminish what's going on now because these kids are going through a lot to be out there for Georgetown. But those are kind of what, that, that's kind of what's going on. It's it's a Blair and Pickett and then kind of a look ahead. Makes sense. Makes sense. You know, obviously a huge transition year. I actually had the TV on last night and I saw James Akinjo playing for Arizona. I mean, Georgetown had some good players and they didn't work out. And you just turn the page and, and reload. The good news is in this college basketball era, you can reload really quickly with these with these transfers. So we'll see. Kevin. It's all about re- it's all about recruiting, and uh, I think Patrick and his staff certainly they're they know they need better talent. Kevin, it gets even worse if you're a Georgetown fan. First of all, their game, I think it was the same night that they were supposed to play. If I'm wrong, someone can text me or you know tweet me. I'm sure you'll find it out, but. It was basically a Georgetown transfer doubleheader. You had Mac McClung, who's one of the more recognizable players in the country yeah. on Texas Tech we're on. And then and then Akinjo and Arizona were the nightcap. Okay. Well, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's either you're really into Georgetown hoops and uh, you're cool with that, or you have no interest and would rather watch, uh, you know, Days of Our Lives. I, I don't know, Shit's uh, <laughs> Creek or, or whatever you like to uh, stream these days. <laughs> One of the two. You're either really interested or you have no interest in seeing them at all. So uh, yeah, I've got I know some where very... you are in that. But, uh, well, I, for me, it's great to see, you know, are the, are the players developing? Because it's a way to like evaluate to what's happening here. I'm with you. I'd like, to, I'd like to watch them. Obviously, those two guys would be very good. They're both good players. Uh, and you're absolutely right about Mac. I, I thought that was a bad fit because it's defense first at Texas Tech and Chris Beard is – uh, you know, really a good coach, but I think he's just so talented offensively that he gives him more rope than anybody on his team, and, and he has some five-star recruits on his team. Yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a weird fit, but it makes sense if you know you've got the rest of your team, and you know Mac is you know Mac's obviously a good athlete, so it's not like he can't figure out a way to like, you know use him better defensively. But um, as far as just Mac has that sort of he just sort of has the it ball finds energy you know he just sort of has that so it's been it's been interesting to watch and because of the Pac-12's terrible TV deal you don't get to see as much of Kinjo as maybe people around here would want to well Kevin I really appreciate you coming on again and hopefully hopefully we will have another Georgetown Providence game to talk about this season I know that's not on the schedule yet but hopefully that it does get scheduled at some point we can talk then or we can catch up before what is hopefully the Big East tournament you can find him Kevin McNamara 33 on Twitter and KevinMacSports.com. Great, Bobby. Always a pleasure. And uh, stay he- stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, make sure the Hoyas keep keep showing up. Simple as that. It's, uh, it's a strange year, and I'd love to see everybody gather in New York to some extent, and uh, would love to see you then. If we make it there, I'll be sure to find you. Perfect. Thank, thank you. Thanks, Kevin.